Good evening, and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. My name is Travis Dell. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. So I'll, I'll bet some listeners have been waiting for this one for quite a while, or maybe this is the one they've been waiting for since the beginning. Um, if I, you know, I would say people can name one single alchemist. I don't know how many you could name before you started doing this, but, but if it's, you know, one, it's probably this guy. Nicholas Flamel, like many other people we mentioned on this podcast, was not an alchemist at all. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, again, like, like many I, others. Like, well, because I, I always associate him with alchemy. Yeah, no, same here. I thought, I thought this would be like a Sendivogius episode where, you know, he's clearly an alchemist. Let's see what he has to say. But um, it looks like that he got the reputation centuries after his death. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into all that. But um, I just wanted to get that out of the way because um, he might be the most famous alchemist, possibly of all time. But he's even less, he's probably the least alchemy-like alchemy like person on the show. Can like, you make I'll, up words like that? I, I just did. Because like like Albertus Magnus, you know, he got his reputation, or like several of the people we've talked about, got his reputation because they had a hands-on approach to things. Like they were like experimenting in a lab or, you know, not afraid to get their hands dirty like in a, in a medical field, like actually trying to treat people with new methods. And then after their death, they would get, an al- they would get a reputation like being a sorcerer or alchemist, something. But this guy, he's not even that. He's not even a charlatan. He's 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 a bookseller. He didn't do anything to gain the reputation. Now I do understand where the reputation came from, and um, it just it just fits into fiction so well. Really, it didn't even come into play like until like some three three centuries after his death. You know, let's break it down a little. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. So, who was the real Flamel? So Nicholas Flamel was born probably about uh, 1330 or so in Pontoise, uh, France, and died in Paris on March 23rd, 1418. He was a successful French scrivener and manuscript seller. As you said, Travis, he kind of spent most of his time in a bookshop. Uh, According to texts uh, ascribed to Flamel almost 200 years after his death, he had learned alchemical secrets from a Jewish converso on the road to Santiago de Compostela. Um, so, you know, he kind of got his, his feet wet, um, from, from this person. So, uh, that might've led him into, uh, to the inner sanctum of, of alchemy. The historical Flamel lived in Paris in the 14th and 15th century, and his life is one of the best documented in history in the medieval alchemy sort of, uh, circles. He ran two shops as a scribe and married, uh, Purnell in 1368. She came into her wealth, uh, from two previous marriages And uh, as a French Catholic couple, they owned several properties and contributed financially to the churches. They were well-known and well-connected, sometimes commissioning sculptures. Later in life, they were noted for their wealth and philanthropy. Flamel lived up until his 80s and in 1410 designed his own tombstone, which was carved uh, with the images of of Christ, St. Peter, and St. Paul. So evidently he... uh, Really thought thought forward a little bit on this one. The tombstone was preserved in the Musée de Cluny in Paris. Records show that Flamel died in 1418. He was buried in Paris at the Musée de Cluny at the end of the nave of the former church of Saint-Jacques de la Boucherie. His will dated the 22nd of November, 1416, but indicates that he was generous, but that he did not have the extraordinary wealth of later alchemical legends that were attributed to his name. That there is no indication that the real Flamel of history was involved in alchemy, pharmacy, or medicine, which is kind of surprising. What we can take away from this is that we know that Flamel was a real person, 
you know, he may have dabbled a little bit in alchemy. This is, well, I think we can probably rest, you know, rest assured at this one. But his reputation as an author and as a, a, a the founder of the uh, philosopher's stone, um, this all be, is pretty much an, an invention of the 17th century. Yeah. You know, so, so Travis, there's some truth in this, but boy, a lot of stuff well, came up later on that really kind of colored his his uh, yeah, so uh, his, his you, you reputation. His, his wife had two previous marriages, and so she was quite wealthy. So let's say that he was just a pretty decent investor. You know, he already had the start capital. So I don't think there's anything, you know, there's no alchemical gold here necessarily needed to have the wealth and which is which is interesting had, from so. some of our previous topics we talked about some of these, uh, you know, alchemists that were scroungers. You know, they they, they were yeah. really trying to dig and scratch and make a name for themselves, and some of them were successful for a little bit. Others failed pretty remarkably uh, and wind up being poor. Yeah. Here's a guy we said had startup capital with it with the marriage <laughs> that yeah. gave him a lot of money, so he necessarily didn't have to so to recreate the wheel. People and just alchemy. saw someone that died yeah. very wealthy and said, "Oh well, you know, he's just a bookseller. He must have dabbled in stuff." Right. But no, and then you know, depending on what kind of books he acquired and sold, you know, maybe he had some interesting uh, stuff among his collection. So you know, after his death, they might have seen that. Well, can we say but, that he was maybe a learned man because he was around these books? Sure. Yeah. And um, you mentioned the tombstone with St. Peter and St. Paul. Like, there's also, I think, I think I put that in here. There's, there's some interesting reinterpretation of that. So, you know, the, like, people are really looking for hidden meaning in, even in, in his tombstone and looking for alchemical symbols. And, you know, so it's, I think that out of all of them, this is the biggest stretch. But they just saw a rich man, a, a, a bookseller that died wealthy and said, oh, this guy, you know, and just the work of fiction. Yeah, interesting nonetheless. Um, if if you do find yourself in Paris and you want to see some of the landmarks associated with him, his house is still around. It's at 51 Rue de Montmorency. I believe that might be how you might maybe pronounce it, possibly. Um, it's the oldest stone house in the city, which I found interesting because the House of the Two Golden Bears is is one of the or the oldest house in Prague, and it's also an alchemical it has an alchemical reputation. Um, on the wall of the house, there's an inscription say, that says, We plowmen and women living at the porch of this house, built in 1407, are requested to say every day on Our Father and Ave Maria, praying God that His grace forgive poor and dead sinners. So take that any way you want. And the ground floor currently contains a restaurant, so you can go eat in uh, Flamel's house. And now it's a uh, Paris Street near the Louvre. Museum, the Rue Nicolas Flamel, so named after him, and it intersects with Rue Pernel, right, his wife. So that's uh, that's cutesy, no? Well, you know, Travis, I, I think in this particular situation, Flamel is more famous after death than he was when he was alive. Uh, posthumously, his reputation skyrocketed, and it's really kind of a who's who uh, that really wanted to attach their name to his name. Flamel uh, had archived uh, legendary status within the circles of Alchemy, alchemy by the mid 17th century, and you know his references by Isaac Newton's journals to the Caduceus and, and the dragons of Flamel uh, was one example. Interest in Flamel uh, was reborn again in the 19th century, and for instance, Victor, Victor Hugo mentioned him in the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, Eric Satie was intrigued by Flamel, and so was Albert Pike, uh, making reference to Nicholas Flamel in his book Morals and Dogma of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. So yeah, I, again, like. I guess many great artists, you know, fame followed him after he perished. Uh, but, or uh, even more so, yeah. yeah. You know, the people that probably knew of him, probably knew him intimately, knew that he may not have been, an, a, you know, some kind of uh, alchemy genius. 
um, when they all passed away, you know, his legend probably grew and grew. There was no one to refute it. They just looked at his tombstone and said, whoa, man. He was a wealthy man. He must yeah. have been important. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of works ascribed to Flamel. And again, I would take this with a huge pinch of salt because um, I'm not sure he wrote any of these. But, but there's, and again, pardon my pronunciation here, but Le Livre de Figures Hieroglyphiques, so the Book of Hieroglyphic Figures, uh, first published in Paris, <laughs> Uh, in 1612, and then there's Le Sommaire Philosophique, so the like the philosophical summary, which is first published in Paris again in 1561. So that one's a little earlier, but you know, again, it's this one's like 160 or 150 years after his death. The one before that is like 200 years after his death. So you know, interesting that works written by him were published, you know, a good well past a century or two after his death. But there's also the uh, Le Livre de Lavure, The Book of Washing, and Le Prévert de Flamel, which is Flamel's breviary. And these are, yeah, even possibly even later than that. So I, I had, in one of my books at home, I have an excerpt from the Book of Hieroglyphic Figures. And it's really easy to see where this reputation came from. Again, so, you know, this legendary account, it's you know, it comes from the 17th century. So the essence of the reputation is is kind of based on the two goals of alchemy, right? So that he made the Philosopher's Stone, which, you know, if you've seen Harry Potter, that's the whole, one of the whole premises is, one of the books is based off of him finding the stone. And then um, also that he found the elixir of life, together with his wife, Perinelle. Like, she, she always kind of um, falls into this. And that despite him having a tombstone, they are both immortal and kicking it around, roaming the earth today. So, you know, that reputation exists. Um, you know, it's, it's the stories out there. I like the story, even if it's, it's not true at all. It is, a, it is a 17th century story, so it's part of history. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll allow it. Okay, fantastic. Uh, and in London in 1624, at the Exposition of Hieroglyphical Figures, it is a collection of designs purportedly commissioned by Flamel uh, for a tympanum at the Cimetière des Innocents in Paris, uh, long disappeared at the time of the work was, that was published. In the publisher's introduction, Flamel's search for the Philosopher's Stone was described, and this is what you alluded to previously, Travis. According to that introduction, Flamel had made his life's work to understand the text of a mysterious 21-page book that he had purchased. Not he had not that he had written or studied, just purchased. Right. Okay. Well, he was a bookseller, yeah. so yeah, maybe he okay. got a, came across something interesting. Fell upon something yeah, and said, sure. you know, this this kind of is going to be interesting. You know, in the introduction, it claims that around thir- the year 1378, he traveled to Spain for assistance with translation. On the way back, he reported that he met a sage who identified Flamel's book as being a copy of the bo- of the original book of Eberlin de Mege. Um, this, with this knowledge, over the next few years, Flamel and his wife allegedly decoded enough of the book to successfully replicate its recipe for the Philosopher's Stone. So a good, you know, uh, couple mm-hmm. sort of getting together and making this happen. Produced, they produced the first silver in 1382 and then gold, of course. I mean, that was the rightful conclusion mm-hmm. to that, right? In addition, Flamel is said to have studied some texts in Hebrew. All right, so this not only became uh, a situation that he was doing this on his own, but he he started to incorporate his wife into this as well. Uh, yeah. And 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 in this story, he actually had success with creating silver and gold. The book basically describes that the tympanum is full of alchemical hints, which he learned from studying the book, basically. And it makes an interesting case 
And it's so it's written in the first person, so as if Flamel was writing it, right? And just assuming that Flamel's an alchemist. So you know, is it? If you read this book, it looks like it's written by Flamel, and it looks like he's talking about um, why he's he's doing what he's doing. He's describing the arch in terms of Christian theology. And now, okay, just you know, in case we weren't clear before, so this is an arch that he had commissioned. So this is something that he had commissioned himself in real life. This really did happen, but now he's describing it in terms of Christian theology and final judgment, but also describing its hermetical kind of second meaning. All right, so for instance, uh, he notes that the Christian symbol, symbolism is slightly off. So Peter and Paul's positions are switched. The colors are wrong. They're standing wrong. And this is taken in the book to refer to philosophers in the alchemical tradition, like Hidden Secrets. Um, in the same book, he mentions Kabbalah, Philosopher's Stone, which he calls the philosophical egg, spelled E-G-G-E. Um, he refers to Geber, Razis, you know, all, we've mentioned all these. Um, basically, you know, kind of all the greats are there, hidden or alluded to in some way. The whole arch, you could see it as a as a furnace, which is, you know, and kind of giving instructions on how to prepare the stone. And he writes a whole chapter on why Peter is wearing red and holding a key, like basically, Peter is, the, you know, Peter is the stone, right? Like his his name means the stone in Greek, well, exactly, like Petra. Yeah. And so he's the stone, and that the key, and that you know he has the key to multiplying gold. So sure, you can see Peter that way if you want. Basically, the the, the validity of the story was first questioned way back in 1761 by Antien Villon. We've brought this up before that people instantly might doubt something, but, you know, it's just, it's a story that's too good to be true. People want to read it. You know, it grips the public's imagination. So, you know, no one really listened to her or, or maybe just didn't care or, you know, maybe just you know, wanted to believe anyways. Listen to him, sorry. Uh, he claimed that the source of the of the Flamel legend was P. Arnaud de la Chevalerie, which we mentioned before, actually, in one of the books. Chevalerie was the publisher of this book. So, you know, um, Villon just said that he probably wrote it, not just published it. He actually wrote the book under the pseudonym Irenius Orandus. Other writers have, in turn, defended the account of Flamel's life, you know, even embellishing the stories, the sightings. So it's kind of like, yo, I think I just saw Elvis at the gas station. It was one of those kind of things. Okay. In the, in the yeah. 17th century, they, they said that, oh, I, no, I, just, I just saw him around the corner. I saw him here. He's living in he Mallorca. Or, he figured yeah, it out. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Right. You know, the king's not dead. And so they, you know, they expanded on these stories and kind of fleshed them out over time. We see this in popular culture even today. Um, you know, you look at Flamel's long-standing reputation as a, as a successful uh, or immortal uh, alchemist. This led to his portrayal in so many uh, books and movies uh, that we, we've uh, probably seen and, and uh, been familiar with. For example, he was alleged to have been the eighth grandmaster of the Priory of Sion, leading to his mention in the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail in 1982. Which was what uh, Da Vinci Code was based on. Exactly, of. Yeah. and some of the very popular books by Umberto Eco's Foucault's Pendulum uh, in, in 1988. Um, you know, Eco's had a few other books come out specifically about Prague, which yeah. are interesting readings. Um, and Dan, and we just talked about Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. Um, so uh, that's very popular. But, you know, uh, Victor Hugo's novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which we mentioned in this podcast, that was written back in 1831. Michael Roberts' poem, Nicholas Flamel, in 1930. Max McCoy's novel, Indiana Jones 
and wait for it, The Philosopher's Stone that was done in 1995 uh, was another book that was had, had uh, Nicholas Flamel in it. But you know, this is interesting because I, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. I know, fan, same here. I, and yeah. uh, I thought that would be a typo of some sort, but it's not actually. Uh, it actually was a book in 1995 called Indiana Jones and the Philosopher's Stone. That leads us into a nice little segue with J.K. Rowling's first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in 1997, which I think brought a lot of people into the idea of alchemy from a young age um, reading that first book. Uh, and finally, Michael Scott's series, the, Se- the Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel in 2007. So uh, you know, it, it, he really has some popularity in pop culture. Flamel had made his way into manga, uh, television, and music, and seen in, in the uh, Full Metal Alchemist in 2001, and uh, Morgana's LaFay's concept album Grand Materia in 2005. Which I'm not familiar with, Travis. Are you, are, you, are you familiar with that one? Not that one. I'm familiar with Full Metal Alchemist, and uh, it's it's funny because on I get asked questions about that a lot. Like, yeah. there's here's this because there, it's a cartoon, and I had to start watching it because a lot of people be like, "Hey, so this alchemical they have like a really strict law of the stuff you're transmutate. They can transmutate whatever you want except for souls, but it has to be the equal weight and and content before and after." And I was like, no, I'd never heard of that. And I've, I've read quite a bit. Maybe it's, you know, one specific alchemist theory. But uh, no, and I got, I got asked all kinds of Full Metal Alchemist stuff. And I was like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's just a cartoon, folks. I don't, uh, I don't think there's, you know, it's not too much based on reality. Travis, you were on Reddit a few weeks ago. And uh, one of the comments that was uh, given on, on your time with Reddit for the 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 uh, alchemist uh, podcast is the idea of has this reached some kind of of point or a high watermark with young people or people ex- discovering alchemy for the first time or gaining popularity maybe because of Nicholas Fumel maybe because of Harry Potter on these other things yeah you know and, yeah and the way the question was put was is it like damaging to the so when I read questions about Full Metal Jacket I'm like well you know in a way yeah people are getting the wrong idea but on the other hand. Um, no, it, I think it's awaking curiosity for, you know, a kind of a medieval, early modern tradition that other that people might not even care about or know about, or people might just think it was pure charlatanism and they didn't think that there were alchemists that truly believed that there was really something to be had here or something to do scientifically. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if something sparks someone's curiosity, someone's curiosity about something, then that's never a bad thing. And, and in history circles, this is important. Whatever gets people's foot through the door uh, to, to you know, get inci- excited about something in history to let them kind of do further reading or further research, that's fantastic. That's about all we had this week. I think um, for those of you wanting to get the scoop on Flamel, I hope you're not disappointed that he's probably the least real not even on a charlatan basis. Like he's not I even. I feel a little let down. Not I'm not going to be. I'm not going to kid you. I feel a little let down tonight. He's not even a fake alchemist. He's not even. He's not that. even an alchemist. He's, yeah, he's, he's nothing of the right. sort. So he's a yeah. bookseller. He's your. He's your bookseller. Yeah, he's just a bookseller yeah. that gave a lot of way, gave a lot of money away to charity, and built some monuments in Paris, and um, had an ornate tombstone that you can read into a lot. Apparently, so there you have it. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman. For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter 
at Alchemy Podcast. Tune into our sister podcast, all about the Czech Republic, Bohemican, which is also available on iTunes or on Bohemican.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy Podcast, thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.